0: You're listening to The OddsCast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA odds maker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. Oddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to The OddsCast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC Fight Island 4 event, which takes place on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Fight Island 4 features an 11 fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus. It- and ESPN this Saturday night let's dive right in now kicking things off on the preliminary card is a lightweight contest between jessin ayari who is 16 and 5 and luigi vendramini who is 8 and 1 now nick where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far
1: a quick note here before we get started The opening odds that I will be quoting are market pricing, and they are available at MMAOddsBreaker.com. Adam Martin's opening betting odds article for UFC on ESPN 16, UFC Fight Night, Home versus Aldana. So I'm quoting the opening odds from Adam Martin's article on MMAOddsBreaker.com. And the updated odds that I will be quoting are from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. So those will be the current updated lines that I'm quoting. So just to let you guys know that. Now getting into the first fight... It was Vandermini opening the favor, minus 175, the comeback on Ayari at plus 135. And right now over at Circus Sports, we're seeing Vandermini at minus 110, the comeback on Ayari at minus 110. So we have a pick fight exactly right now. Should be a close one. I understand it a little bit. I think that I lean a little bit slightly more towards Ayari. So those guys who were able to come in there and get the plus 135. I think you do have some value there. I think he should actually be a slight favorite in this fight, the way he matches up. I mean, Vandermini definitely... A very challenging and and tricky opponent because of what he brings to the table here. Not bad. He's got a little bit of power on the feet. He's going to be the smaller of the two, though. So physically, he's going to be a little bit outclassed, outmatched. Um, But again, what he brings to the table, you have to respect a little bit of power on the feet from him. And it's his wrestling and his grappling ability that's going to come into play against Ayari here. And if he can get your back, like he did against Dos Santos, he can make things interesting. So despite his UFC debut loss, I think think he did actually decent, considering the short notice and the situation he was in against Dos Santos. So there's a lot to like about Vandermini, but Ayari making his return here. I like his past opponent resume better. I mean, his strength of schedule is definitely a lot better um, coming into this fight. He's already had three UFC fights under his belt. Despite losing two of three, he's faced high caliber competition, and I think he's ready to get back on track here. I think he's a better fighter. I think he's the better overall striker in this matchup. I think he can keep this fight upright and basically outpoint Der Vandermini along the way, possibly even finish him. So I am leaning Ayari here uh, like I said, I think he, you can make a case that he could be a slight favorite. It will be a competitive fight and you gotta respect Mandarini's ground game. That's, I think, his path to victory, but I still think Ayari's the better fighter. And with his physical attributes, he should come away with a W here. So my pick is Ayari and maybe a little bit of slight value where the current price is.
0: Yeah, this one's interesting because, uh, both fighters have kind of made a name for themselves for how they performed on short notice against, uh, significantly larger competition. Um, Ayari stepped up and took on Darren Till, losing a decision. Uh, and Vendramini stepped up on short notice, up away class, and took on uh, Elias Zuzaleski-Dos Santos and got knocked out in the second round. And that was actually his first loss of his career. Um, and I will say, Ayari has had a little bit closer fights. Uh, he had a close um, split decision loss, or a very close loss to Stevie Ray. Um, and then... Uh, it was a, you know, a relatively one-sided loss to Till, but before that he beat, uh, Judo Jim Wallhead. Uh, he has not fought in two years though. Uh, Vendermini, that was his, uh, lone UFC fight, uh, against Zaleski. And I will say he actually did impress getting, uh, you know, almost taking, uh, Zaleski's back and threatening, you know, on his back a little bit. Uh, in that first round before he ended up getting knocked out in the second round. Um, In this fight, however, Ayari should definitely have the striking edge. He's bigger. He's a little, you know, physically more powerful. Um, It's just going to boil down to can Vendramini attack with his grappling? Because on the feet, Ayari should set the tone. Um, but if Vendramini can either drag this to the floor or maybe do a quick back take on the feet or just do something sneaky with his grappling, close that distance, uh, this fight gets interesting, but I'm going to side with Ayari. I think uh, he's consistently faced better competition over the course of his career and he's never been submitted. Um, you know, I think all of his losses are decisions for the most part. So I think he's able to avoid that ground game, but that is definitely scary. The fact that Ventermini up a weight class still threatened, uh, a top guy like Seleski at welterweight. So I'm picking Ayari, but exercising caution here. Now dropping down to the bantamweight division, we have Casey Kenny, who is 14-2 and one, taking on Hailey Alatang, who is 14-7 and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
1: Kenny opened minus 220, the comeback on Alatang at plus 185. That line did not last very long. Right now, the price over at Circus Sports is Kenny minus 355, the comeback on Alatang at plus 295. So needless to say, the opening price was short. A lot of people believing in Kenny here. I mean, he's definitely a very talented fighter, has faced decent competition thus far in the UFC. I mean, has excelled really overall. He's... I mean, just an excellent fighter as far as fight IQ, grappling ability, a decent stand up to go along with it, finishing ability as well. So he's a solid fighter. And again, and if you look at his resume, even before he made his UFC debut, Kenny, You knew he was on track to to really good things, and you know, and eventually making it to the UFC. So he's had a heck of a career thus far, and I think he continues it here against Alatang. Alatang's a dangerous opponent, though. I think if Kenny fools around and and not able to get this to the floor comfortably, he could be some trouble here because Alatang is a type of fighter that's a heavy hitter. He's got power. He's getting more and more well rounded as far as overall game goes. I I think he's still obviously far behind when it comes to the grappling aspect of things, and that's where again Kenny should win this fight. And Kenny should be able to kind of get positional control along the way too. So I. I think it is a difficult matchup for Elatang and that's why you're seeing the betters early pounce on because, sp- like I said, the price was a bit short. But at the price right now, you've got to respect that power from Alatang, And it will probably be more competitive than all of us are thinking here along the way too because I'm sure Alatang could probably stuff a takedown or two and make this thing interesting, especially as it goes. So my lean is Kenny at the current line of minus 355. I would stay away from this fight. It's probably a dog or pass situation at this point um, where the current line is. But again, it's kind of tough to bet Alatang because I do like what I've seen from Kenny. So my pick is Kenny to win here.
0: Alatang definitely is scary. I mean, this guy so far is undefeated inside the octagon, um, picking up a pair of wins over uh, a and benoit. Um, the problem is that Casey Kenny is just a sensational grappler. I mean, this guy isn't just out grappling, you know, just a bunch of bums. He's out grappling guys with impressive ground games like, uh, Ray Borg and Luis Smolka and then, um one of his last fights before he made it to the UFC, he defeated Brandon Royval Val uh in LFA. And Roy Val has really made a name for himself with his grappling in the UFC flyweight division. So, you know, Kenny is a stud on the ground. Uh his only loss in the UFC is to, you know, one of the top uh takedown artists in uh and that's just not what Alatang brings. You know, this guy has heavy hands. Uh he's gonna be looking for the knockout on the feet, and yes, Kenny could get clipped on the feet and finished, but he's never been knocked out in his career. Um, he's decent enough on the feet, I think to keep Ala-Tang, uh from fully committing on every one of his strikes because he doesn't want to get taken down. And that I think will still allow him to close the distance. So uh, I expect Kenny to drag this fight to the floor and potentially submit Alatang, and at worst, uh ride out a decision from top position over the course of three rounds. So uh, I understand why the betting line is so high. It's because, you know, Kenny's ground game is no joke. And I think that uh, he smothers Alatang in this fight. So Kenny is my pick. Now dropping down to the women's strawweight division, we have Loma Lukbunmi, who is four and two, taking on Jin Yu Frey, who is nine and five. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Lukbunmi opened minus 120, Frey opened minus 20, and right now what we are seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Lukbunmi at minus 155, the comeback on Frey at plus 135, so Lukbunmi getting the love from the betting public out there, Sharps, and public action in general. Pushing that line up, I mean, I think she has been a lot more uh, impressive overall so far in her UFC career. I mean, not fair to say because Frey's only had one fight, but Luke me in her two fights has showed us a lot. Even in that loss to Hill, I mean, Hill obviously gets a ton of respect from fans out there in the MMA cards. And I, I think that obviously that was a very competitive fight. Fight for Luke Booney and she was right in there, man. I mean, I, like I said, I've been nothing but impressed. Obviously, her best attribute is her striking skill. I mean, just a sniper on the feet, underrated power. I I like what I see. She's just so fun to watch on the feet. She has a bit of a ground game as well, as far as offensively goes. She she could trip you down, get the takedowns at times, but more than likely, she likes to keep things up on the feet and just be the bully as far as counterpunching, being the aggressor at times. um, Her clinch work is beautiful to watch as well, so there's a lot to like about Luke Boomy in this spot. But Frey is probably getting underrated and underestimated a little bit here because, I mean she's. Pretty well-rounded fighter, but I like what I see in her striking. I mean, obviously, she's physically strong. She was doing very well in her fight against Hanson. Now, again, this is a different type of matchup, but I'm saying you can see what she's capable of uh, against high-level competition because, again, Hanson gets a lot of respect. I know it's a different situation, different stylistic matchup here, but, I mean, you have seen in the past for her Invicta fights as well a lot to like about Frey, and so she's going to be strong. She's going to be striking very well against Luke Boon-Me. I think it's going to be a competitive matchup when it does – kind of play out on the feet, which in this case, I think more than likely this, most of this fight should probably do so. So I think we're going to see a very fun and exciting fight, competitive back and forth type of fight. But I think it'll be clear by the end that Luke Booney is the better striker and she should be able to outpoint Frey. Maybe if you get a finish along the way, a pretty tough. It's going to be hard to stop her, but I mean, it, it is Luke Boomy's fight to win or lose. And like I said, and I, I would be, not surprised if she does get a finish along the way as well, but it will be competitive. The line still indicates that despite the action coming in Luke Boomi's way. I mean, hopefully we're all underestimating Frey too much. Um, we'll see. I just hope it's a good fight, and but I am going to have to lean Luke Boomi as well.
0: And I also like Luke Boomi here. Um, Frey is a pretty decent fighter, but I just really like Luke Boomi's technique. I like her speed. Um, normally, Luke Boonmi's size would be a big disadvantage because she nor- typically is an atom weight. But, uh, Frey isn't a very big fighter either. And Luke Boonmi's 11 years younger. Um, I think, uh, she also is just a really impressive striker. And, uh, while Frey does like to keep it standing as well for the most part, um, I just think Luke Boonmi's gonna be faster, uh, more technical, and have a much higher output than Frey. And I think she just outpoints her, outlands her, outworks her, uh, and pretty much puts on a Muay Thai clinic over the course of three rounds. Uh, I see Luke Boonby winning convincingly in this fight, so Luke Boonby is going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the middleweight division, we have Jordan Williams, who is nine and three, taking on Nassardine Imovov, who is eight and two. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
1: Williams opened minus 215, Imovov at plus 165. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Williams minus 135, plus 115 on Imovov. So needless to say, Imovov's line plus 165 was too high. Bettors came in, pounced. A lot of sharp early action. Smaller action, of course, because the betting limits are lower early on. Um, but still line movement towards a dog, and I think it's probably correct at the price of plus 165, because this is a lot closer to a pick type of fight, and I've been kind of going back and forth on this fight as well, to be honest with you. I just, I like what I see with Williams. I think he's always been a little bit underrated. The guy's a well-rounded fighter, has a b- bit of a wrestling background, obviously, but has that power on the feet uh, to finish fights as he exhibited, uh, you know, in his last fight. So that was impressive, and he's performed well in the contender series as well. There's a lot to like about Williams. He's coming into his own. He's confident right now, and he's a finisher, and he's got that kill. So he has fun fights. So I'm glad the UFC so quickly, and it's going to be a fun scrap with Imovov because I think Imovov is a little bit more technical overall than Williams. He is called the Russian sniper for a reason. The guy is very talented on the feet. Uh, I think he's got a, a very solid ground game. Um, get to be tested. I think resume is, again, coming to, to play here where the strength of competition overall for Williams, I think, is a little bit better than Imabov. So this is going to be a pretty st- st- stern test for him. I know he's coming off a fairly solid win outside of the UFC for Imabov, but I still think that, you know, there's different levels. And I think Williams, again, with the confidence that he's coming into this fight is going to probably be a tough, tough fight for Imabov as well. So I can see this fight going either way. I'm going to probably go against the grain here a little bit as far as Public opinion and and go Williams because again the dog action came in on Imabov so I will pick Jordan Williams to win this fight um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Imabov does pull off the upset win so I honestly still would not bet Williams at this price um, because I do think maybe we're kind of expecting too much out of him at this point or we're maybe his stock is a bit high considering his recent wins and his how good he's looked if that makes sense at all maybe we are kind of overvaluing him at this point so even at minus one thirty five despite the line drop. I can't bet Williams here in this spot. I still think it's a dog or pass situation and plus money because I think it realistically is a coin flip type of fight. So my pick will be Williams. I think, you know, like I said, you could kind of make a case for him in this spot to be a slight favorite, but hard to bet at the betting window. So my pick is Williams. We should see a very good fight.
0: Yeah, this one is really intriguing to me. Uh, both guys impressed uh to earn their opportunities in the UFC uh Williams had a little bit of a longer road uh taking I think 3 fights on contender series while Imovov um uh looks like uh you know picked up a quality win over Jonathan Mounier back in uh, December of 2019 um while this fight I think Imovov is a little bit better technically um the difference though is Williams I think is a little bit tougher. This guy has a really good chin. He ha- pushes a high pace. And while Imavov, I think if this is a pure punch for punch uh technical battle, Imavov will probably get the better of Williams early. I don't think Imavov can uh knock Williams out and I think over the course of 3 rounds, I think Williams higher output and pace might overwhelm Imavov uh I can see Williams losing the first round, the second round being close and then Williams either winning the third round or potentially finishing Imovov in the third round as he starts to fade a little bit. So um, I like uh Williams here. I think he's a really talented fighter. I think that he has uh what it takes to not just win but uh pick up uh impressive stoppage late in a fight. Um so uh, this one's interesting for me and Williams is going to be my pick. Now dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Joshua Kulabau, who is 8 and 1, taking on Charles Jourdain, who is 10 and 3. Now Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Jourdain opened minus 300 to come back on Kulabao plus 250. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Jourdain at minus 485 to come back on Koulibau at plus 385. So needless to say, again, the respect factor for Jordan is at an all-time high and coming off of a very good performance, despite losing his fight to Feely Feely held in high regard from the betters and the MMA community in general, of course. So that was a very competitive fight, that close fight, not saying it was wrong. I think Feely edged it out there, but hanging at that level early on in your UFC career, uh, I think is impressive. He's had three fights, three very good performances overall for, for J- Jordan. And I think you see what you get from him. He comes to fight very aggressive on the feet um, of course, he's got a bit of a wrestling background as well, but that seems to be his kryptonite at times. But thankfully for him, Kulabau is not the type of fighter that's going to pursue a lot of takedowns in this fight. So it's kind of a striker versus striker matchup. Kulabau is a very talented offensive striker as well. I think he's probably going to hang in here and give Jordan some problems on the feet. But but I think Jordan overall, his pace is overwhelming. I think he is the more durable fighter of the two as well. And I think it'll be clear by fight ends by the time the fight ends, that he is the better fighter. He'll either win this fight by finish or he'll win on the scorecard. So I, I could see a competitive 30 to 27 or 29, 28 type of decision if it hits the cards. But more than likely, I could see Jordan finishing this fight before it hits the scorecards as well. So I understand the early action hitting that minus 300 mark. It is kind of a steep price delay, though, I and mean, especially right now, minus 485. I would not recommend it. I think people are underestimating Kulaba a little bit. And he does have that kind of finishing ability or one punch type of ability to change the complexion of an entire fight. So you got to respect that, especially if you're laying minus 300, 400, 500. Uh, you got to be a little bit more cautious and, and not be reckless here at this spot. So as it approaches minus 500, it's another unfortunate stay away from spot um, or it's a dog or pass situation. But I do think Jordan wins this fight. So I'm going to pick him to win. And like I said, probably ends up being my finish.
0: And I'm going to go with Jordan as well. Um, I will say that I think people are sleeping on Kulabao a little bit here. Um, they've been a little on him um, because his one UFC appearance went so poorly, but you got to remember he was taking a fight on short notice up a weight class against an absolute killer, uh, in Jalen Turner. Um, so, you know, he got knocked out. I mean, it happens. Uh, it was his first career loss too. So. Uh, he's back at 145 where he belongs. The problem is Jordan's pretty good at 145. Um, Jordan already has a monster upset over, uh, Duho Choi. Uh, and he had a very close loss to Andre Feely, uh, in his last fight. So this is a guy that looks like he can be a player at 145. Uh, Kulabao, we still have a lot to learn about him because we haven't seen him at his natural weight class in the UFC. Um, that being said, uh I think while Kulabao is uh you know not nearly as bad as he looked, um, and he does have the, the striking skills to hold his own on the feet um and potentially could get some takedowns along the way. I just have to side with Jordan. He's more aggressive. He's got a lot of power and he's still got some confidence because he's been in there against some pretty, uh, tough guys so far in his UFC career. And he has, you know, held his own so far. So I'm going to go with Jordan. He's, uh, you know, he just had a lot more UFC experience against uh, quality competition and he's performed better so far. So I'm going to go with Jordan. I think he gets the win, potentially gets a knockout along the way. Now moving up to the welterweight division for the preliminary card headliner, we have Carlos Condit, who is 30 and 13, taking on Court McGee, who is 19 and 9. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers' perspective on this one?
1: Condit opened minus 140, the comeback on McGee at plus 120. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is McGee minus 130, the comeback on Condit at plus 110. So line flip, not surprising. I mean, if you look at some of Condit's recent fights, I mean, he's definitely on a losing skid. I mean, the worst part of his career by far. So he's on the decline. We all know that. I mean, he's fighting high-level competition. So you got to give Condit a lot of credit for that. But still, I mean, not a good look. And I mean, obviously, he is definitely past his prime at this point of his career. Um, this could be a problematic matchup. I mean, I, both these guys, McGee's also passed his prime at this point of his career as well so I get it two veteran fighters kind of going at it here but the problem is Condit has been taken down and controlled by wrestlers in the past McGee has a wrestling background I think he does implement that game plan here and McGee's slick enough not to get caught up in Condit submission game either so this is a problematic matchup for Condit on the feet Condit is the more slick striker for sure McGee has probably the better hands better boxing uh, not that Condit doesn't have good hands don't get me wrong I mean so maybe I should take that back a little bit because it'll be close on the feet I mean Condit definitely has some good hands has some pers- but what I'm trying to say I guess Says McGee's boxing has been a little bit underrated throughout his career. So I think it'll be competitive on the feet with Condit obviously being the better striker overall, um, and he should have his moments here. But it's hard to trust him at this point and his durability as well for both guys. So that said, I think McGee has a little bit more left in the tank. I think he is the more capable fighter. Like I said, he can mix things up and kind of grind Condit out and get the win here in this fight. I'm not expecting much from either fighter, but, uh, you know, I mean, a couple years ago, we wouldn't see this line. As it is right now, I mean, Condit would definitely be there, but this is not a couple years ago. This is 2020, and McGee should be the slight favorite coming into this fight. So I'm going to lean with McGee here as far as value goes at the betting window. It's probably a, a McGee or pass situation, but you can't go crazy on this fight, especially where it is now. I mean, kind of missed the boat where the line value was early on. Maybe a little bit left at minus 130, but not much. So it's the pick is McGee, but another tough spot at the betting window.
0: I mean, it's tough to trust either of these guys at this point. I mean, Carlos Condit was retired and then came back and has not looked even close to like the man that he was before he retired. He's on a five-fight losing streak. Um Granted, he has faced some pretty decent opponents on those five fights. I mean, almost every single one of them is ranked at welterweight, so it's not like he's been losing to complete bums. Um, You know, he lost to Woodley, then he lost to Lawler, then Maya, then Neil Magny. Then Alex Oliveira, and most recently, he got uh, smoked by Michael Chiesa. Uh, Court McGee, you know, he's also been struggling. He's lost four out of five um, uh, with losses to much lower-level competition. Uh, ben Saunders, Sean Strickland, Diego Lima, Sean Brady. So, I mean, it's totally not out of the realm of possibility that Condit wins this fight. Um, he should have more power on the feet. He should have a better chin. Um I, I think Court McGee pushes a decent enough pace to hold his own on the feet. Um, but really where this fight gets interesting is if McGee is able to utilize his wrestling and drag this to the floor, which I thought he'd be able to do against uh, in some of his other most recent losses um that he didn't do. Um, you know, he's been losing decisions lately. So uh I will I'm concerned about this one. I mean, it really is a bit of a toss up, but I have to side with the, the wrestling. Uh, this would definitely be the worst loss of Condit's current run, but, uh, McGee can make up for the power disadvantage and chin disadvantage, uh, with the wrestling. If he can get takedowns, Carlos Condit does not have good takedown defense. He gets taken down all I think 13 times in his last three fights. Uh, so I think Court McGee should be able to drag this to the floor, and if and when he does, he should be able to ride out enough time to at least win a decision. So, uh, McGee is going to be my pick. Now, moving on to the main card in the middleweight division, we have Daquan Townsend, who is 21 and 11, taking on Dusko Todorovich, who is 9 and 0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: Todorovic opened minus 305 the comeback on Townsend at plus 225, and right now over Circus Sports, we're seeing Todorovic at minus 365 the comeback on Townsend at plus 300. Some recent action just actually steaming on Todorovic. I can understand it. I mean, Todorovic, this matchup was catered made for him. I mean, coming into the UFC, a savvy veteran, I had a ton of respect for him. I'm glad he had his shot in the UFC, but, you know, not well matched as far as, you know, the fights he ended up losing all three of his opportunities, so... You can't go zero and three and expect to keep your job, but they did keep him on the, this uh, roster for now, and, and he's getting another opportunity against Todorovic. Which, again, I mean Todorovic, the way he matches up. I mean, he's got a bit of a karate style background on the feet where he keeps his hands a little low, loves to work in some kicks. He can be effective with the striking. Um, I think he's improving in that area for sure, but it's his wrestling. It's his takedown ability and it's his, his ground game, ground and pound and submissions where he's going to be a bad matchup. And the grinding style that he has is going to be a tough matchup for Townsend. That's how he loses fights. Townsend is capable on the feet to get things done. He's got power. Um, again, he's a savvy vet, but he does get put on his back. And that's exactly what Tor- uh, Torovich is going to do here to excuse me, is going to try to look to take him down, grind him against a cage and kind of close the gap and not let Townsend operate in space. So that's why you're seeing the action coming in his way. Undefeated prospect. I think he does get it done, obviously, and this is going to be a tough fight for Townsend. So I agree with the action coming in on Sartorovic is probably a little low still. It should be probably upwards towards minus 400, um, depending if he's smart or not, of course. But if he does follow the blueprint here, I think he cruises to victory. So my pick is Todorovic to get it done over a game opponent in Townsend, but and price is a little light. I would go favorite or pass despite the chalk here in this spot, and I think Todorovich gets it done.
0: And I like Todorovich as well. Um I was actually a little surprised um that Townsend was even given another opportunity in the UFC. I mean this guy has really struggled so far in his UFC run going three and really hasn't looked like he's belonged Um, you know, he, he was more of a journeyman that got an opportunity, but, uh, they're keeping him around, but it feels like they're just keeping him around to feed him. Uh, and I think that that's probably what happens here. Um, I mean, Todorovic has a really strong ground game. I think, uh, it's only a matter of time until he drags this to the floor and then goes to work with, uh, either submissions or a TKO on the canvas. Um, I think Todorovic is a pretty talented fighter. He looked good, good against Teddy Ash to win his contender series fight last uh, December and or last August. And I think that he looks great here again. So I'm going to go with Todorovic probably by, uh, you know, breakdowns and then however he wants to finish it, whether it's decision, TKO on the ground or potentially submission. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Kyler Phillips, who is seven and one, taking on Cameron Else who is ten and four. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds perspective on this one?
1: Phillips opens minus two seventy five to comeback in Els at plus two thirty-five. And right now what we're seeing is Phillips currently at Circa Sports coming in at minus four forty-five to comeback and else at plus three sixty. So line again moved up towards the favorite the price getting a little bit more chalky on Phillips, rightfully so. I mean, tough matchup for else I like what I see from him. I mean, obviously a savvy vet, again, outside of the UFC, has competed in decent organizations, such as Cage Warriors or whatnot. The guy is a dangerous dangerous fighter. I mean, the guy brings it. He likes to sling some punches. He's got a Taekwondo background, a Jiu-Jitsu background. Uh, he's all up for firefight, so he's been pretty impressive, and he's a dangerous opponent. But the problem is, technically speaking, I think Phillips is pretty much better everywhere. Um, and He's going to be hard to obviously deal with, especially on the ground for else Phillips has a, a much better overall ground game. I think his striking is going to be obviously effective too on the feet and I just think he's got far more experience over high c- caliber competition as well and he's ready to make some noise and, and kind of move up the ladder in the UFC sort of speak so it's hard not to like the matrix here in this spot Phillips I do like him um, again I think at minus 445 you kind of have to respect else because he does have some finishing ability and that's path to victory if he wins this fight it's going to probably be by pulling off the upset by finish right so you have to respect that and I don't know if there's a lot of value at minus 445 market pricing towards 500 you probably have to stay away from it at this point but I do like Kyler Phillips and the future is bright for this young man so my pick Phillips to win
0: yeah this one's pretty straightforward I think it's the biggest one-sided matchup on the card um else is entering the UFC on a six-fight win streak but and almost all of those wins were really quick but you have to look a little closer I mean look at who we fought uh first fight oh o. next one one and one next opponent oh o. finally did face a guy that was four and but then, 0-1, oh and, and his most recent win that earned him his UFC opportunity, guy was 3-14, and 14. so uh, just not impressive whatsoever. Um, I think that this is going to be ugly. Honestly, uh, Kyler Phillips is a really talented fighter. Um, he looked, uh, he's looked really good overall with his ground game. I think it's just a matter of time until he drags us to the floor. I mean, this guy has a calf slicer win uh, on his resume. And, um, he probably drags, uh, his opponent else here to the ground, uh, beats him up on the canvas and then either looks for a TKO on the ground or a submission on the ground. And else is a decent striker. He's got some power. Uh, but I think Phillips is actually better than him on the feet too. So, um, I would be stunned if this is anything other than to a Phillips win, but a Phillips finish now sticking with the Bantamweight division but moving over to the women's side we have germaine de randami who is 9 and 4 taking on juliana peña who is 9 and 3 now nick where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far
1: De'Randami opened minus 185, the comeback on Pena plus 160. And right now what we're seeing over Circus Sports is De Rondami minus 145, the comeback on Pena plus 125. So action coming in on the dog at plus 160 early on. Don't blame you guys, man. I think there is some value at plus 160 at that price. I mean, Styles make fights, and I'll cut right to the chase. Get this fight to the ground, she wins the fight. If she can get this fight to the ground, she probably wins this fight. I mean, she has a dominant ground game. That's Randami's kryptonite for sure. She's getting better, though. De Randami on the feet will piece Pena up. She's a much more diverse striker, obviously. She's one of the most elite female strikers I've seen in the sport. I mean, fantastic. And she's honed her craft to the point where she's very good everywhere else now, too. I mean, her defense on the ground has improved significantly. She's got great takedown defense as well, so it's not going to be easy for Pena to get her down. And if she doesn't get her down, the narrative obviously is De Rondami will piece her up and she probably will. So not a good look for Pena in this spot if she cannot utilize her strength, which is a ground here. Uh, but if Pena does get one takedown, I think it's possible for her to get this fight done. I mean, De Rondami, again, has improved her, her overall ground defense, but Pena is smart enough and slick enough and dominant enough on the ground when she gets positioning control. She can rain down submission. She could take your back, sub you that way. She has many opportunities on the ground once she gets it there. So big if, though, she needs to get this fight to the floor to win this fight, has a little bit of power on the feet but I doubt we'll see De Rondami despite her I think defensively she is getting worse because she's not getting any younger De Rondami feet but she still has a big significant edge and I would be shocked if Pena is able to damage or do any damage on the feet here so Pena via ground De Rondami via striking and it probably stays up so I will pick De Rondami to win this fight but everybody pretty confident in betting De Rondami up a little bit more here's point. So I think the value on the chalk is running out. I mean, even though she's probably the right side at minus 145, I would probably stay away. So my pick is De Rondami, but respect Pena's ground game here just in case, man. I mean, if I know most of us don't think she will get it down, but in a fight, anything can happen, maybe up against the cage. She takes her back. There's a lot of scenarios where we could see De Rondami maybe throwing a kick and getting put on her back. You never know. So be cautious out there betting this fight as well.
0: I mean, this is a striker versus grappler matchup, straight up. Uh If Pena is able to drag this to the floor, she can win. If she can't, Rendami's going to win. I mean, Rendami is the best striker in the women's band and weight division. Um, you saw that in her title opportunity against Nunez. I mean, Nunez started on the feet and was holding her own. But, but the second Nunez started to slow even a little bit, just had that tiny little bit less pep in her step. Randami started getting first and she was hitting Nunez. She was cracking her and she turned Nunez into a wrestler. Now Nunez was able to out-wrestle Randami and win a decision Um, and she won, I think, every round in that fight, but uh Randami was the better striker. I mean, she is a killer striker. So Pena, if she is able to get this to the floor, she has the ground game. She has the wrestling. She has the submission ability to to make something happen here. But on the feet, this is a blowout. So it's going to come down to Randami's use of distance, um, Randami uh, not overcommitting the strikes, not leaving huge openings, and Randami uh, playing it smart, keeping the hands low a little bit so, to help fend off uh, takedown attempts. Just if Randami can keep Pena from uh, getting inside, uh, she's going to win convincingly. But if Pena can get in there and drag her to the floor, this gets interesting in a hurry. I'm going to pick Randami because uh, Pena hasn't exactly been uh, fighting that actively. Um, she hasn't been that impressive when she has fought uh, with a loss to Shevchenko and only the one win in the last three years um, over Montano. So I'm going to side with Randami. But again, Pena does have the ground game to make this interesting. Now moving up to the heavyweight division, the co-main event of the evening, we have Jorgen DeCastro, who is six and one, taking on Carlos Felipe, who is eight and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this
1: one? DeCastro open minus 270, the comeback on Philippe at plus 230. And right now what we're seeing over at certain sports is DeCastro minus 225, Philippe at plus 195. So another spot where we are getting two-way action, but more dog actually coming in as of late as we get closer to fight time Philippe getting some love I understand it I think this is going to be an outstanding fight we have a striker versus striker matchup here and both of these guys are heavy hitters I like what I saw from Philippe's debut despite it being a loss to Spivak. I mean he showed a lot of heart I think he actually impressed me more than he did pre fight studying on film so I think he's ready to come in here and compete amongst the heavyweights and you got to respect his power and kind of his durability on the feet as well I mean he showed a lot so I think DeCastro's in for a fight here DeCastro loves a stand and bang obviously I got some respect from him in that Hardy fight as well I know he kind of hurt his foot and things kind of went astray but early on he was looking pretty good in that Hardy fight and I think Hardy is one of these guys that's obviously an ultra talented prospect in the heavyweight division we all knew that and he's kind of living up to the hype and, and potential so that's not necessarily a bad loss for DeCastro here in this spot and Philippe I think will show some life here and I think it, it, you have to respect it but I still lean a little bit more towards DeCastro I think he's the more fighter of the two and both these guys are heavy hitters so I got to lead if both these guys have fit Finishing ability like they do. I gotta lean a little bit more towards a more technical striker, which I think is DeCastro. I think he can mix things up a little bit better. So I lean his way. But another tough one to bet because, man, these guys have finishing ability for sure. Uh, but I will lean more towards DeCastro in this spot.
0: Yeah, this one's interesting. Both of these guys are heavy hitters. Both are dangerous strikers. Um, and realistically, what it's gonna boil down to is, uh, I think the fact that DeCastro is a little bit more diverse with his striking. Um, uh, both are about the same size. Um, but, uh, and Castro is a little bit older, but, um, where DeCastro has been, me is the fact that he mixes up his hands and his feet. Um, he does have heavy hands. You saw that with his, uh, counter right hand that knocked out Justin Taffa, who's also a pretty dangerous striker and kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, um, and, Honestly, DeCastro was looking pretty good against Greg Hardy. He was battering Hardy with kicks, uh, but then he injured his, his foot or his leg, uh, on a kick attempt and Hardy was able to bounce back and win a decision. Uh, Felipe, on the other hand, you know, he made his UFC debut after not having fought in three years, taking on uh, Sergey Spivak and he lost a majority decision in that. That fight, he got uh, out grappled, he got taken down a few times and uh, ended up losing a decision. So this time around, it's striker versus striker. And I just think that Castro is a little bit more technically sound and mixes it up better. I think uh, the leg kicks are going to be play a big part in this fight and they should help Castro at least win a decision, potentially set up a knockout. So DeCastro's my pick. Now. Dropping down to the women's bantamweight weight division for the main event of the evening, we have Holly Holm, who is 13 and 13-5, taking on Irene Aldana, who is 12 and 12-5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far?
1: This fight opened exactly, pick minus 110 either way, and right now we're seeing Holm minus 120, even money on Aldana. Some two-way action coming into this fight, Holm did, become a bigger favorite in some spots market-wide, and then obviously some Aldana action coming back in here as well. So two-way action, respectable action. I mean, let's get cut to the chase in this one as well. Aldana getting a shot against home to get the W here. I mean, matchmaking-wise, I think that's what it's all about. You have a veteran, like... A person that's gotten so many title shots in the UFC thus far with Holm, rightfully so. I mean, I know a lot of people can dispute the fact that she gotten so many shots, but she is high caliber. She's the top of the food chain and she's deserving in many ways. Obviously, the former Bantamweight champion in her own right. And again, title fight after title fight amongst high competition, very close competitive fights. I guess, elite level fighter. So Holm herself is elite level. Aldana coming into this fight, getting the opportunity to pick off somebody at this level and kind of take her spot, get her name in the mix for a future potential title fight with a champ Nunes. And what a fight that would be. That would definitely be interesting. Aldana has a lot to kind of like as far as what she can bring to the table with her power. I mean, she showed that in the Vieira fight in her last outing. I mean, I was shocking. Uh, the end result where Aldana, I knew she had some power, but how crisp and clean I mean, the knockout was was it was just beautiful. So I like what I see from Aldana. She has that in her game. Now she's getting more confident. You see the improvements fight by fight. Overall, she's on a heck of a win streak here as well. I mean, it's two fights in a row. I mean, overall, four out of her last five fights, and a competitive loss to Pennington in between, which Pennington, as we all know, not necessarily a, a terrible loss because she's a title contender and in the mix always as well. But uh, that being said, I think she, her confidence is at an all-time high. I think she's confident here, even in this matchup, because she knows Holm is not exactly at the, in the peak of her career in the- the prime of her career. So I think home on the feet is definitely hittable. She has better defense because Aldana gets tagged more. So I'm not going to go out of the realm and say that home is worse defensively. I think Holm has better strike defense for sure than Aldana does. But I'm saying overall, I think Aldana can be a little bit more effective when she does land. I think Holm's going to be landing a little bit more frequently though. And I think she can actually kind of push the pace where she grinds Aldana up against a cage and slows this fight down. She doesn't want to keep too much space or at Aldana's range, at least, where Aldana can not fire off some of the big punches that she has and the capability she has finishing the fight on the feet. So this is a dangerous fight for Holm, and she knows it. I think she's going to come in and fight very smart and try to make this a dull fight. But in five rounds, I think Aldana is going to have her moments and opportunity to win this fight. So I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Aldana. Um, I hope we're not underestimating her. I know a lot of Decent opinions are agreeing with me in this spot here. I think the time is for Aldana to win this fight. I mean, if if she's ever going to make a run towards that title, she has to win this fight over home here. It's not going to be easy. And especially with home's fight IQ and the camp she comes from, I think they're going to be prepared for Aldana's power and all the, I I think the impact and advantages that Aldana might have over home in this fight, they're going to be prepared for. But that being said, I still think Aldana will do enough damage along the way and possibly finish this fight and win. So I will pick Aldana and at. The price, I think, is a dog or pass situation, but you just can't go crazy in this spot. I think you have to respect home. And again, her fight IQ and her camp, they're going to come prepared. So the pick is Aldana. Hopefully she gets it done here.
0: And I'm going to go the other way. Um, honestly, looking at the the way these two women fight, uh, Holly home is just the more technical striker. Uh, Irene Aldana is dangerous. She's shown that uh, in her last fight, especially when she picked up the, the knockout victory against Ketlin Vieira. Vieira was undefeated at the time and was one of the top contenders in the band and weight division. So that was a huge moment in Aldana's career, by far the biggest win of her career. Um, but Holly Holm is the better striker. I think Um she is, you know, she has the professional boxing background. She has a strong kicking game. Aldana does have the power edge and Holm has been knocked out uh both in boxing and by Amanda Nunes, but um, I still feel like, uh, home is, the, has the technical advantage here. She's, the way I see this fight playing out is home, you know, sits on the bicycle for five rounds and dances along the edge. Aldana, or she kind of plays matador to Aldana's bull. Uh, Aldana pushes forward looking for the big shots and home mixes in some counter shots, some jabs and a lot of kicks from the outside. Um, we know home can go five rounds if need be. Um, the only thing that we don't really know is what Aldana's conditioning looks like. Uh, because I think the only time Aldana has gone, uh, in a five round fight was against Tanya Evinger. And that was a different type of fight because Evinger was wrestling her and Evinger, you know, took her down repeatedly and then finished her in the fourth round. So that's the only time that I think Aldana's fought uh, a five round fight and it did not work out so well for her. Um, Home on the other hand we know can go 5 rounds you know she lasted 5 rounds against Cyborg of all people so i think that she'll be okay against Aldana um and i think home out points Aldana uh, realistically the best chance for Aldana here is uh you know landing that big shot um she does have some pop and home potentially could get knocked out but so far the only person that's knocked home out uh was a head kick from Amanda Nunes. I don't know if Aldana can knock her out that easily. Um, and in terms of pure technique, uh, Aldana's defense is not that good. You know, she's been lit up on the feet a few times. Leslie Smith outworked her on the feet. So I think home has the ability absolutely to not just win, but win convincingly here. So I'm going to side with home. And I think that she at least went to decision, potentially get to stoppage along the way. If, uh, she starts really, uh, racking up the points on Aldana. So home is my pick. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Fight Island 4. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB Premium on Twitter first, because that's where we'll post them. Um, you can also check out the free bet section of MMAOnsBreaker.com. Remember, check out MMA Onsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone. And hopefully the betting gods are on your side this
1: weekend.